This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. been in a series working through the book of Jonah. Um, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Jonah. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, we're hitting a chapter each week. So the last two weeks we've hit chapters one and two. Today we're on chapter three. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have plenty in the back right there at that table and also at the Connect desk. Please grab one. Israel will run you a Bible too. If you need one, you can raise your hand uh, and keep it. Uh, it. Grab one for your friends too. We want to get a copy of the scriptures in everyone's hands. Uh, we believe the Bible is perfect. It's 100% the Word of God. It's going to be our authority as a church, and that it's not just a book. Uh, when you actually pick up the Bible and read it, it even says itself it's living and active, and things actually change within us to become more like Christ when we read Scripture. So that's always going to be a big deal to us. So please grab a Bible um, or launch your app, scroll through the Old Testament. Or use the table of contents for Jonah. So Jonah 3. Uh, we learned so far that Jonah is a prophet of God. He's someone who knows scripture really well. He's really close to the Lord. But for some reason in this book, chooses to not obey the Lord. He chooses to be flat out disobedient and actually kind of do the opposite of what God has called him to do. Uh, we learn in chapter 1 and verse 2, God says to Jonah, Arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So it's not really a passage that's quite open to interpretation. It's kind of black and white. What does he tell Jonah to do? Get up, go to Nineveh, and proclaim my word. And then we learn in chapter 1, what does Jonah do? Gets up and goes the other way. He goes a completely opposite to tar- Tarshish. It's a hard word to say. Tarshish. Tarshish. He flees to Tarshish. He does exactly the opposite of what God calls him to do. We also learn in chapter 1, he doesn't just flee a location, but it actually says he flees the very presence of God by doing so. Of all people, we have Jonah, who is the prophet, the one who is supposed to be close to God, disobey. Everyone else and everything else in chapter 1 actually obeyed God. The sea obeyed God when he hurled a storm. The people on the ship obeyed God. Even the fish obeyed God. Every single thing obeyed God perfectly in chapter 1 except for Jonah, who is the prophet. Sometimes the church, us as followers of Jesus, sometimes we can be the biggest offenders towards God. It's not always the person outside of the relationship with God. Past obedience and biblical knowledge does not give us an excuse to opt out on current opportunities. Right? So past obedience, because of our past and our biblical knowledge that maybe we know about, that doesn't give us an excuse to opt out on the current opportunities God's putting right in front of us. You'd be surprised just how easily our sin in the enemy will kind of convince us at times, okay, you know what, you've been faithful in the past, you've, you've kind of done all these things for the Lord, you don't really like, have to always be faithful today. It's kind of a mental game that we play sometimes. Jonah fled. He got on a boat. God hurled a great storm in the sea towards him. And we see God was very intentional, actually, to go after Jonah in love. Have you, have you ever felt like that? You felt God is 
picking on you maybe or harassing you or kind of won't leave you alone or he's just all over you and you almost, you're almost kind of complaining about it, almost like, God, leave me alone sometimes. And sometimes we get a little off in thinking about that because it's actually a marker that he cares in the first place, right? A loving parent pursues their child. A loving parent disciplines their child out of love. If we believe God is behind us, behind everything, and that he's for us, then it's out of mercy that he'll go after us to pull us into a relationship with him, not to punish us, to push us away. God is not in the business to push us away from him, but actually to pull us in. Jonah hits rock bottom, we learn, and then God responds. When I was growing up, my exposure to God was um, a bunch of traditions, I guess you could say, and kind of rules and regulations, a bunch of phrases that you say, a bunch of things you do to, uh, I guess, be right with God. And then even if you do make mistakes, a bunch of new things you do to get back right with God. So I just kind of grew up in an environment that I thought God was just this big God out there. I don't really know who he is. I better not do anything really bad because he might like strike me down with lightning or something like that. And so he just, he was never a personal God. And I didn't realize until my lower 20s that there's actually a real relationship to be had, that God is actually real and personal. It's not just a big God out there. He is a big God out there, obviously, but he also knows us very close. You think of a best friend who can kind of tell what you're thinking before you even say it. They might even beat you to it, and, and they know you that well. God actually knows you better than that. God is personal. He cares for you, and he cares for me. God personally cared for Jonah, right? We learned in chapters 1 and 2, he kept him and sustained him in the belly of the fish, and then Jonah finally responds with a prayer of thanksgiving. It's important to see that Jonah's circumstances, they didn't change until there was a heart change. The heart change had to happen first before his circumstance changed. The Great Commission and what God calls us to do is to not only lead people to life in Jesus, but it's to sanctify us in the process as we do that. And sanctify us meaning just as we grow closer to the Lord, we learn more what sin is and what sin isn't. We kind of have this life of confessing and repenting. The point is, as we obey and we're obedient to what God's calling us to do, he grows us in the process. They go together. God knew he was addressing Jonah's heart at the same time he was calling him to go to Nineveh. So that brings us to today. That brings us to chapter 3. We're going to see Jonah. Basically, basically it's round 2 for Jonah. He gets another chance. So if you would, turn with me to Jonah chapter 3. We're going to read through that, and the verses will be on the screen as well. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. 
But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. God, would you guide our time right now as we just unpack your word uh, here in Jonah? Would you uh, give me the words to speak however you see fit for the rest of our time this morning? Would you work on the hearts and the minds of everyone in this room, uh, including myself, everyone watching and everyone listening? Um, God, that your word would draw us closer to you and continue to transform us uh, more like you, Jesus. Uh, You are the author and perfecter of our faith. Um, it's in your name. Amen. So, okay, so what happens here in chapter 3? So Jonah gets another opportunity. It's the exact same thing God asked him to do word for word in chapter 1. So this time he gets up and instead of fleeing, actually goes to Nineveh. So Nineveh was a pretty evil place. So scholars will kind of compare it to modern-day Iraq. Uh, It's pretty gruesome, the violence that would happen in that area, a little too gruesome to share uh, today, so we're not going to quite go there. But needless to say, it's not a place that you'd really want to go into. And if God called you to go there, uh, there might, let's be honest, there's going to be quite a bit of fear. So that's what Jonah did, though. He came in, and this is all he said. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Okay, so let's think about this just, just for a second. So imagine going to UT or going to your office, or maybe grabbing a, you know, the latest bullhorn that's just over there on the side of the road, and you just walk in and just go, everyone, hello, hey, I have an announcement. In 40 days, 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. So thank you. Thank you, right? Like this is, this is a weird thing. And in Hebrew, the original language of the Old Testament, it was just five words. So Jonah said five words. So five words would be like, You know, in 40 days, you gone, right? (laughs) So so what happens? This is all he says. You just have to kind of wrap your mind around this. He just walks into the middle of Nineveh, says this. And what does the word say? Shockingly, everyone immediately believes and repents like that. So much so the king sends out a decree for every single human being, including the animals, everything to call out to God and cover themselves with sackcloth. So sackcloth at that time is cloth made of black goat's hair. It was coarse, kind of rough and thick. It would be what people would put on in a time of mourning and repentance. Everyone without Jonah doing anything else immediately believed and repented. And so when we say repentance, what it means to repent, it's not just enough for us to confess our sins and then not change anything about our lives. So I don't know about you, I've been in this position a million times. We say, okay, God, I'm so sorry, I did blank. And we go, I'm never going to do it again. This is the last time. Like this now, starting now, this is the last time. And then like five minutes later, we sin again. Right? We don't actually change anything. And it's like, okay, really, this is the last time. I'm not going to do it again. And then we do it again. The problem is we're not actually turning away from our sin. Repentance means instead of having our eyes on the sin, sometimes just typically on ourselves, we actually turn from the sin and turn towards God 
and we, we change. We make changes. That's what the people in Nineveh did. They confessed, they called out to God and repented. And then how did God respond? He relents of destroying Nineveh. The word says he changed his mind. He doesn't destroy them. He shows them mercy to pull them into himself. So what does this tell us about God? Think of 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's heart is that we would all reach repentance, not perish. He wants us to repent. He wants a relationship with us. He does not want us to be destroyed. John 3, 16, a lot of us know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The only way we will ever perish or be separated from God at the end of the day is because of our choice. We have a choice. Listen, God desires for you to repent, to turn away from sin and turn towards him. We see that in Jonah, right? In the first couple chapters, God is patient towards him along the way. He's, he's concerned for his heart. He shows him mercy and then works through him to save the people of Nineveh. God's heart is that we would all reach repentance, not perish. So what does it say about us? It says that we're called not only to draw near to God, but to love others. This is what Austin life exists for, to lead people to life in Jesus. We're not made just to come here on a Sunday service. This is great, mind you. We're not made just to go to a community or discipleship group during the week, which is awesome. And we're not meant just to read the Bible only. Those are all great things. Please don't hear me say that they're bad. They're great things or even commandments. This is fantastic and this honors the Lord. But if that's everything we do, if we don't do anything else, if we're not actually leading people to life in Jesus, we're missing out on his presence. That's why chapter 1 says when Jonah says no to God, he not only flees the location, he flees God's presence. Think about it. We wouldn't even be here in this room. We would not even be here right now if it wasn't for those who've gone before us who led people to life in Jesus. We stand on the shoulders of the church that have sacrificed their lives over and over again, their time, their talents, their treasure, and sometimes their whole lives. We, we're here because of others, and it's our turn now in this year and this generation to lead others to life in Jesus. Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. It means if we're not leading people to life in Jesus, we miss out on the presence of God. Therefore, we miss out on that fullness of joy, the abundant life we're actually created for. How often do you feel like if someone were to ask, you know, maybe in community group or your discipleship group, hey, how's it going in your time with the Lord? How often do we feel like sometimes that's lacking? We're like, eh, it's like, it could be better. Like, it's kind of, it's okay. Right? Like, you kind of read your Bibles off and on. You maybe pray off and on and come to a service off and on. But, but no matter what happens, and those are good, but you feel like something's lacking. Maybe, and I don't know this and I can't answer this for you, maybe you're fleeing. Maybe God is calling you to do something and you know it and you're not doing it. And therefore, what happens? You're missing out on his presence. You're miss there's something lacking. You know, like, there's, it's there. You have the relationship with the Lord, but it's not full. What, what is it maybe God's asking you to do? 
Like Jonah, you can be encouraged, though, because God isn't a God who wants to punish and push you away, but is a God who loves you and out of mercy wants to pull you in. But you won't be able to move forward until your heart gets addressed. The heart, God's more concerned about addressing the heart, who you are, before the circumstances will change. We can't lead people to life in Jesus if we don't lead ourselves first to life in Jesus. We have to see how that relationship with Christ is going first before we're going to be able to move outward. This, honestly, uh, it's kind of just studying this. This is the hardest part of the message, in my opinion, because we need to hear this and be reminded of this because we are a forgetful and distracted people with like five-second attention spans. It feels like it's getting worse. Maybe that's just me because I'm getting older. But I don't know if it's technology related or not. It just seems like we're just immediately like, squirrel! Like just, I mean, every two seconds. Maybe it's notifications coming in. But with everything going on, we've got to be challenged to remember to even repent ourselves when we're not concerned with others' salvation. I know we have a lot of things going on. I know we have a lot of responsibilities here, even in this room. There's just a lot. But if we're missing the peace of leading others to life in Jesus, we've got to be willing to repent of that. We've got to be willing to address that with the Lord. We make time for what matters most, and we talk about what matters most. We're really busy, but we have the time. We make time for what matters most. It's really a matter of, is, is God the priority or not? And it's okay if today, maybe it's like, you know what, he was, God, you weren't the priority today. That's fine. Confess and repent. It doesn't mean you're a horrible person. It doesn't mean all is lost. It just means that's just something to confess about today. But move on to the next day. It's one day at a time. Obedience is always going to be complicated no matter what kind of season of life you find yourself in. And it's always going to involve risk. Just like Jonah going into Nineveh, he had to go through extensive travel. And he honestly, he didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know he was going to go in there and say five words. And everyone was just going to be like, amen, got it. He probably thought he was going to, you know, bad things were going to happen. I forget there's kids in the room. This is a family service, so I just want to be careful with certain words. I wasn't going to say anything bad. Anyway, all this, just take it, it. This is all one day at a time. Our mission of leading people to life in Jesus, it's about direction, not distance. It's long obedience in the same direction. God will take care of the results and the pressure is off for our shoulders. God does the rescuing, not us. He just calls us to just be obedient one moment at a time. And why do we even love people? Why are we even concerned about this? First John 4.19, we love because Jesus first loved us. We're called to be the hope and the light of the world, not because we know it all or we don't have it all together, but because God is great and he works through his people, the church. So we have this little board up here. You might be wondering why this board was up here. Just a decorative piece for Christmas time. It looks great. Uh, I think what keeps us from being obedient to the Lord more often than not, honestly, for most of us in this room, is our view of self. It's how we view ourselves. We have a relentless enemy that in John 10.10 says he's here to steal, kill, and destroy us. It's literal words, not open to interpretation. Steal, kill, and destroy. But in that same verse, and one of the verses that Austin Life is founded upon, but Jesus has come that we may have life and have it abundantly. But I think more often than not, we hear a lot of things kind of like this. Now, I'll be honest, I thought the dry erase board was going to be a lot bigger 
And then I showed up and we got the baby one. So you may or may not be able to see. But the enemy is really crafty and he'll give slight little whispers in our minds. And he'll do just what he did with Adam and Eve and say, did God really say that? Did you really have to like, be obedient all the time, like every day? Like, now are you sure? He may tell you, you know what, you're not good enough. You don't measure up. You've never measured up your whole life since you were a child. He may tell you that there really is no truth out there. There's no absolute truth. You know, there's no God. This is just kind of like a fairy tale. He may tell you that things, things will never really change. You're going to be in this cycle for the rest of your life, and there's nothing you can do about it. May tell you just end it. We have a relentless enemy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And it would not be wise for us to take that lightly and underestimate that. Now, the good news is that we know, and we may know, maybe we don't know this in this room, but Jesus has come. Jesus lived a perfect life, He died on the cross. He paid the penalty for all of our past, present, and future sins. All these things on the board. Jesus refutes the lies of the enemy, and he erases. This is not going to erase really well. So we're going to act like it's all erasing. But he does. Jesus has come. Those thoughts from the enemy, while they still may come back, the sins that we commit which we still might as we follow Jesus. As he comes back and asks us what we did with our life, all the sins and things that could have offended God, they'll be wiped away. Our sins have been erased. They're gone. I think we hear this and we go, yeah, 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 okay, Jesus, he did, yeah, okay, the sins are erased. No, really, they really are erased. Today's sins and tomorrow's, the enemy will tell you five minutes after the service today, you're going to think something, you're going to do something, and he's going to be like, see, look at that, your sins aren't erased. Probably going to throw that one in there. They have been erased. They're gone. So Jesus died on the cross and if he just died and it ended there, we really wouldn't have a reason to celebrate today. But it didn't. He rose from the grave. He literally defeated death and sin. And as he ascended into heaven, we're told now we have the gift of the Holy Spirit within us. You see, we're not just forgiven for all eternity. And our sins aren't only just completely erased from the board. But right here, right now, this is not going to work out well. We're able to experience... See, this marker's kind of out here, so let's just act like this is working well, okay? We'll all get through this together, so. Yeah, <laughs> you can't see this. So what that's supposed to say is that we get to experience today life in Jesus. So when we entertain those thoughts, when we actually believe the lies, we would have to erase this first to write our sins back on the board. Does that make sense? 
we would have to deny what Jesus has done for us first to then throw our sins back up on there. And that's what we do every time we give space to the enemy or just frankly ourselves. Just by our own self-doubt. It's a big deal how we look at ourselves. We'll either first look at the cross and through that lens be obedient and go experience life in Jesus and tell others about Jesus. Or what happens, we'll ignore the cross. We'll look down on ourselves and find ourselves kind of paralyzed and unable to move forward or get out of the cycle that we're in. We have to replace the words we hear in our minds and, frankly, what we tell ourselves with, with the truth of God's word. It's not going to be enough for us to think, well, I'm not that kind of a person. You're like, it's all good, because our very minds will play the game against us and convince us otherwise. We actually have to push out the lies of the enemy and what we tell ourselves and bring in God's word. And so that's kind of what we're going to do right now. The way we're going to end the service is... I want to read some scripture over you. We, we have a million things going on. Our phones are hopefully silenced. Like, luckily in our pocket right now, we're not seeing all these flashes of incoming things. Let's just take a few minutes here. And whatever posture you feel like you need to take, you can sit there, you can stand and close your eyes, you can take notes. Just let this be a time that you just hear the literal words of God washing over you believing in his word to be living and active and transform you at this very moment. Transformation takes place when we hear and when we read God's word, that we'd be able to experience life and maybe even choose to follow him and believe this for the first time this morning. So we're just going to take a few minutes now and uh, let me read some scripture and then we'll continue on in worship. is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Peace I leave with you, 
my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither, neither let them be afraid. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. And my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give thanks to him. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.